0: We don't guess and test, we test, we never guess. We just run four or five labs in every person. And and I know your question was, what about money? It's not us who needs to get the priorities straight, it's the person. They need to put their health number one, they need to make their health their number one goal in life. Because you'll never be happy if you're not healthy.
1: You're listening to Muscle
0: Medicine, where we debunk the myths in the health and wellness world to bring you the latest updates in exercise, rehab, and nutrition from industry leaders. Join your host, Dr. Emily Kybert, chiropractor and movement expert, as she brings you simple, actionable tips to reach your fullest potential.
1: Hey there, Dr. Emily Kybert here with Muscle Medicine Podcast. We have a really fun guest today. His name is Reed Davis. Reed and I have known each other for a couple of years now. He's the founder of Functional Diagnostic Nutrition Certification Course. He is a board certified holistic health practitioner and a certified nutritional therapist. And many years ago, Reed was working out of a holistic practice and reading probably thousands of patients of blood work and really putting together root causes of autoimmune conditions and working with patients who you know had seen many practitioners and weren't and weren't getting better and through this work of working with just like many many sick patients who were given medication and sent on their way he came up with functional diagnostic nutrition which was way above its like way before its time and so we sit down and talk about root causes contributing to Hashimoto's you know what's some underlying things to look at if you have Hashimoto's that you're just not feeling good and you're not getting better and you know, Reed has this concept of metabolic chaos, which I think is so perfectly said. And so I'll let him explain that. I hope you enjoy this episode. Super fun to record. And Reed is so accessible and so easy to really distill down something and concepts that could be very challenging to understand. He just makes them so digestible and so easy. Reed Davis, welcome to Muscle Medicine Podcast. We've known each other for a while, and when I think of you, I think of you in two ways. I think of you riding your motorcycle Mm -hmm. up and down the California coast, and I think of you being a just tremendous educator in systems for laboratory interpretation through functional diagnostic nutrition. So welcome to Muscle Medicine Podcast.
0: Well, thanks for having me here, and thanks for those thoughts. yeah, mostly, I ride out in the desert when it's not too hot. then, of course, the rest of the time, I'm working teaching and helping my my graduates to build uh, their businesses. so it is a' it's a lot of fun,
1: yeah, so I'm curious, you know, I find that the system that you put together for lab interpretation way ahead of its time and very unique. So I wanted to just start with like, how did you put together kind of that system? Cause it really looks at the body as a whole. So I wanted to start there.
0: It's kind of interesting. Laboratory work has been just the, uh, the gift Thank God there are labs out there doing amazing research and development in the areas of functional medicine. They're, they're helping us to try to get to the underlying causes and conditions. You know, just looking at bodily fluids can be very, very helpful. You know, obviously it all has to relate back to a person. You, we don't want to treat the paper. So you got to be good with your clinical skills, too, in uh, interpreting what we call cl- just the clinical correlation. But I I started in 1999. I came out of the environmental field and I was saving the planet. Air, birds, water, trees, bees. I noticed they were all falling apart. (laughs) I started wondering, well, what's that doing to people? What about me? And so I I just switched gears and switched jobs, went to work in a clinic, a, a wellness center in Southern California. And there I wanted to help people. And I noticed that that everyone walking in the door pretty much Emily had already been to four or eight or 10 practitioners already. And it just blew me away. I I didn't understand at the time what was going on. These people were were all caught in a cycle of trial and error trying this and trying that. No one could, you know, some doctors said "Well, there's nothing wrong with you. Blood work looks normal. So just very, very fortunately, I was able to take some courses with, with the doctors that worked there as a non-physician, I, I had a different perspective, which turned out to work out really well for people. You know, doctors are kind of tied to diagnosing and treating specific things. They, they look at a lab and say, well, this is out of range, and here's something to bring it back into range. And I wasn't able to do that because I can't write prescriptions and found out that I don't want to. I, you know, they told me back then, Reed, hey, you got the hard job. You're going to have to figure out what's really wrong with them. So I went to work. I I ran thousands and thousands of labs on thousands of people. I was really good at running the business too and and just kind of getting out there in the public. I built that wellness center up, and uh, it was people coming in who'd been to lots of other people, never gotten well yet. And uh, I started recognizing patterns, running these thousands of labs, thousands of people. I recognized patterns, and and I would say that's another strength of mine. But um, it turns out that You know, all of these people, regardless of their diagnosis, if we looked at their hormones, immune system, digestion, detoxification, a couple other areas, and got those things straightened out for them, you know, rebalancing and restore, repair of the the underlying function, they got better. Like everyone was making these, and some people, miraculous recoveries. And that's after they'd seen six people already. So I, I just codified, and again, it took me ten years this didn 't happen in one year or three years or even five years. It was thousands and thousands of labs on thousands of people over close to ten years, and seeing those patterns and to the point where I felt confident enough to, to teach a system that I had it down to a system of assessment. Emily was like running those labs, which you know i 'm well known for that, but the protocols too and last thing you know, I, I learned very early on. Because people were coming in to see the doctors, not really see me. But I got to communicate at the highest level with them. I was, I was the, the patient educator. And what I realized real quickly was, it, look, to Mrs. Smith, I would say, it's not what you do in the office. Coming in here for your chiropractic and your acupuncture and seeing the doctor, that's not what's going to get you better. What's going to get you better is what you do at home in between visits. So that's where the protocols come in. So my system of assessment, all the labs, and then what you do when you go home, the the complete lifestyle epigenetic medicine program, we call it Dress for Health Success. That is the actual real secret. So running the labs and customizing the protocols worked out pretty good for everybody.
1: Yeah. A lot of listeners to this podcast have some sort of thyroid dysfunction, typically an underactive thyroid, hypothyroidism. And you talk about how like classic thyroid symptoms may not be caused by the thyroid at all. So some women may, you know, kind of traditionally see their endocrinologists. they might be put on medication, they might do TSH or maybe just a full thyroid panel. But you really talk about how classic thyroid symptoms may, may not be caused by the thyroid at all. Can you kind of speak to where those symptoms could result from?
0: Yeah, I think so. Because I've studied the anatomy, physiology, biochemistry of just about every common ailment like that. And it's remarkable how much the thyroid will take the blame when it's, quote unquote, like like ordinary hypothyroidism. So first of all, we put Hashimoto's thyroiditis in a different category because that's an actual autoimmune condition where the function of the thyroid itself does downward spiral and can even shrink. And and so that's more of a medical condition. But plain hypothyroidism just means your, your thyroid is not producing expected levels, and you'll become symptomatic. So the symptoms could be the tired fatigue, can't lose weight, constipation, little depression. It could get as bad as uh, you know, cold extremities, hair falling out, and things like that. So this is a traditionally reliable cluster of symptoms that points the finger at low thyroid output. Now, does that mean there's something wrong with your thyroid? Not necessarily. You can have low thyroid output and have those same symptoms for any number of reasons that affects the thyroid output. So hypothalamus, pituitary come to mind. There's an axis. You know, the hypothalamus, and pituitary in the brain, they're very sensitive. They're sensitive to the environment, to other hormones, to the limbic system, to the uh, circadian rhythm, to toxins. So the, the, the controlling organs up in the head are really more responsible for that low thyroid output, which is giving you the symptoms. So the symptoms are the same. There's other factors. Uh, there's, you know, the fact that thyroid, If let's say it was getting good signals. Well, it's putting out a lot of the T4, which is inactive, and that could be having a hard time converting to active T3. So it could be a conversion problem. Well, that happens in the liver. So we've just mentioned, you know, two organs in the brain, all the influences on those before, and it's not the thyroid's problem just basically doing what it's told, low output. And you could start asking, well, why does that happen? Look into those underlying causal factors. And then it could be below the thyroid, like it is putting out the right amount of the basic thyroid hormone, T4, but it's not converting properly into T3. And there's other conversion issues. There's issues at the cell receptor site, such as uh, just receptor shift. They could be full of reverse T3. They could be very insensitive. They could be kind of burnt out. So there's there's just lots of things going on where it's not really a thyroid problem. Again, this is not the same as Hashimoto's. But if you suffer from sort of ordinary thyroid symptoms, could be nothing wrong with your thyroid. And yet the, the standard treatment is to just, well, replace the T4 you know, and hope your body converts it. Maybe some physicians who work more naturally, more on the functional side, would give you T4 plus active T3. That's I think that's a better idea. And the more natural the products, the better, in my opinion. But so those are, that's a little bit of background on thyroid and why, as a functional investigator and health coach, we're sitting in the catbird city because we, we don't concern ourselves so much with just getting the paper looking good you know like like you can change the numbers pretty easily just take, take the right agent but to actually get the person to heal to become well to to reverse the underlying causal factors that's where the real work comes in and, and that's the fun of it where i'm concerned
1: yeah so where does someone start if they want to look outside of their thyroid in terms of laboratory testing
0: well you certainly want to look at thyroid lab tested T4, T3, TSH, reverse T3, and there, there's some other. You probably should run just as long as you're getting the blood work done. Depending on your symptoms, depending on how you're you know showing up. If it's pretty advanced, you got you have another autoimmune condition. You definitely would want to look at the TPO and thyroid antibodies. So so there's other tests you could add on to that. Do do an assessment. But you could go deeper than that and look at the other hormones, uh, like your stress hormones, for instance. Because what I've found over all these years is a lot of people with, again, I'm calling this is your standard hypothyroidism, where you can't find anything wrong with the thyroid. It could be an adaptive response to stress. Now, most people have heard that word before, stress, and they think of life, uh, finances, relationships, and COVID, and sequestering, and losing your job, whatever it might be. So, you know, there are a lot of stressors of that sort that can have your body go into this adaptive mode, and thyroid would shut down naturally just to save resources. And if you couple all of those mental, emotional, and psychic spiritual stressors which will tend to put you into a hibernative state add the chemical stressors from the environment remember that's where i started so you know there's 80 plus chemicals that all could be having a negative effect on us in the environment they're being dumped in the environment i've had some physicians tell me we're swimming in a toxic soup marinating in it so you add the mental emotional stressors together with the physical or chemical stressors the biochemical stress on top of you might be pain from injuries you know weak posture is is a stressor so is old injuries that are unresolved pain is a pretty important type of stressor so you could have physical stress you could have this biochemical chemical stress you could have mental emotional stress and what do you think your body's going to do it's going to want to hibernate. It's going to want to conserve resources, and so the and, and you add all these toxins in there, and you've got the signals just aren't telling the thyroid to stay at the same level of metabolism. That's fairly well known theory. Thyroid regulates metabolism, growth, your temperature, your energy, and so if you're be under attack, wouldn't you kind of want to conserve energy? You know, conserve metabolism. I think that's the way it is.
1: Yeah, let's focus on toxins since you have a background in that, right? It was environmental. Was it environmental law before?
0: Yeah, it was a paralegal. I was not a, I was not a lawyer, but I was a paralegal, and I did get to work mostly on cleaning up the planet, like recycling and things like that. It was. It was very exciting, but you know, you get out there and you're saving, saving the planet in any way you can you know, vernal pools and the whole thing. And just, I I grew up in Canada as an outdoors lover. And like I just told you, the desert, you know, I I just, I love, you know, sort of helping and cleaning things up. But there is an extraordinary amount contributors to metabolic chaos in the environment. And I call them contributors to metabolic chaos because that's what they cause in your body. And they haven't all been studied. Matter of fact, most of them haven't been studied. We're the study. We're the rats in the in the maze, so to speak. And so we know that disease is not going away. It's actually getting worse. And it is, I'd say, largely the environment. And the thyroid is just one of the the victims, if you it's just one of the easy targets for toxins, because they have an effect on the stimulating hormones or the, you know, on, on all endocrine production your body and so you could expect thyroid issues you could expect adrenal issues you could expect gonadal issues you know the, the ovaries and testicles and men um, and so these things are real sensitive and the signals going to them to tell them what to do are easily disrupted by uh, these these disruptors again in the environment and you know don't forget your body makes toxins you know that need to be Excreted, and a lot of times they aren't. We have poor excretion, a lot of sequestering of things and fat, and then you've got you couple that with other conditions. Things like diabetes come to mind. Obviously, the the autoimmune condition, celiac disease, is huge in people with Hashimoto's, for instance. Things like lupus, and that again, I call it metabolic chaos because I'm not a physician. I I don't give diagnoses. I don't, I don't like even using those words. To me, it's just all metabolic tests that can be sorted out using an epigenetic lifestyle program. So looking for the problem where you're out of balance, where you've lost resiliency in systems is really critical, but knowing what to do about it, you know, because that's where we have a big backyard to play in.
1: Yeah. So in terms of toxins, I mean, there's you. I think you said eighty thousand. It could be pesticides sprayed on your food. It could be off gassing from furniture. It could be mycotoxins, right, from mold exposure. So where does someone start in terms of have I been exposed to those toxins? Which most likely most people have. And I guess on like a more pathway level, and I'm thinking of the liver. How does that contribute? to metabolic chaos?
0: Sure. Well, we're exposed. So exposure is, is a huge thing. And then everyone is an individual with different weak links in metabolism or, or vital voids in metabolism. So, so we're not all exactly the same. We have different abilities in different systems in the body to compensate or to deal with the environment. And so with that in mind, exposures to probably the first place look now you by the way you can test for environmental pollutants in the hair and the blood and in the urine and and different ways so so you can get tested but a good place to start would be your food obviously we, we eat as much organic as possible not because it's so much more nutritious Emily, but because it is full of toxins, you know, that again, you said herbicides, pesticides, insecticides, rodenticides, and, and on and on. And so, uh, food's kind of <laughs> filthy in that regard, much as I love to eat and hate to say that. So, you want to eliminate it from your diet, you know, and from, and from what you're, you're drinking. So, food and beverages. Now, then you've got your household care, pro- your household cleaning products. They make safe products that don't have all the um nasty chemicals in them like for washing your clothes washing your you know your your uh, sink and your floors and your you know all these things right so household products and then of course your personal care products so there are lines of products that are paraben free so to speak you know your sunscreen things like that anything you put in or on your body can have a negative effect if if it's not compatible you know so that it can be toxic and again with everyone being so different and such different ability to resist and process these things some people are naturally good excretors you mentioned the liver of course and the other excretion or detoxification organs would include your colon your lymph system your lungs your skin your liver of course the kid and the kidneys so we, we have all this natural ability to to sort of excrete and detox but it can be overloaded and some people got it worse than others, not just because of their level of exposure, but because they're just different. Some people get sicker quicker and there are sicker quicker people. Have you noticed that in your practice? There are sicker quicker people. And then there's those that seem to stand up to anything.
1: I've noticed that in my own body. Like if I'm exposed to mold, my eczema will, will be completely gone and it will flare up in like three days. If I got, for example, mold exposure, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So you, you want to eat food. You can just really start there for a lot of people. Stuff in bags and boxes probably has some preservatives. And again, you, it's processed. You're, you're getting things they use when they process foods in there that aren't real food. And you can do a lot for your body that way and, again, reduce exposure in other ways. Also, you mentioned the, the liver, and that's where the conversion of T four to T three happens. So you need your you know your iodine, your selenium, your zinc. Usually, things like paleo diet, gluten free diet. Even though I'm a meat eater, vegetarians that type of thing has helped. You can get your iodine from seafood, you know, table salt, dairy products. Although I don't eat them, eggs. Although some people are sensitive to those, and certain fruits. They're packed. Seaweed has kelp and things like that. Now, you don't want to do too much either, but you need that stuff to help make thyroid hormone and to help in the, uh, especially selenium, for instance, to help in the liver. That helps convert the T4 to the T3. You can get that from eggs, pork, nuts, certain nuts, Brazil nuts, I think, fish, even beef and chicken. So you need all these cofactors. This is why I said people have individual... Weak links in metabolism, they're just not good at some of these metabolic processes. And there are thousands and thousands of them going on at all times. That's why I call it metabolic chaos. It's, it's too hard to figure it all out. You just need a system of dealing with it.
1: Yeah. And the, these weak links are acquired. So they're from, from our genetics, from the genes that are passed down from our parents, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, th- those might be considered inborn, you know, so there are inborn weak links in metabolism. And there's also those that are acquired from damage done from how you've lived since then. So you're born, you can't change your genes, but you can have some control over the regulation of those genes. or really. It's called the expression of those genes. A good example is my dad and his dad died of colon cancer. Well, I don't like that one bit. And so I ran the gene test, and I have the gene for it. But it may not express that way if I behave myself. So I can't eat any processed meats, the sodium nitrites and nitrates and other things used in processed meats. So if I go to a party, it's no cold cuts for me. I have to eat really good, high-quality things that I eat. And, um, again, much as those things are tasty and delicious – (laughs) i could otherwise probably pig out on them i don't eat them because i don't i want to have some i want to have some say over the expression of my genes and that's called epigenetics so if you heard the term epigenetics what does that mean well it's pre-genes it's what you do so that they uh, don't get flipped on in a bad way and that's something you know that's why our protocols and when I call them. It's a really a, the perfect complement to medicine. It's it's a wholly epi or pardon me, yeah, epigenetic program, lifestyle based medicine. That's that's what you want. And and it doesn't mean, pardon me for running on, but yeah, you know, I think of so many things. Like doesn't mean go run a gene test everybody and follow the instructions. It's not like that. You you got to look for deeper for true healing opportunities at least first, you know, so again, we look at, it's spelled H-I-D-D-E-N, hormone immune to intestine detoxification, energy production, and nervous system balance, the autonomic balance, H-I-D-D-E-N. And so you investigate healing opportunities. It just means, hey, what could be improved? And so when you know how to run those labs and you run them on yourself or your clients, you know, you can do a whole lot of good in the world, by identifying those healing opportunities. They're not medical diagnosis. They're just things that could use improvement. And really it's about balance and resiliency in those areas. And so then what do you do about it? Well, that's the epigenetic program. That's the D-R-E-S-S. Diet, a corrective diet, rest, which includes sleep, exercise, of course, lack of exercise is fatal. And then the two S's are stress reduction or stress management and then supplements and supplements, man, they're making some really good stuff. It's very helpful these days. I don't sell uh, or have my own brand, but I know a lot about them. And so we, you know, it's, it's assessing the healing opportunities and applying the general principles of health building in the, that are in the dress program. That works. Everyone gets better.
1: In terms of the listeners that do have Hashimoto's, which there is that autoimmune component, sometimes there's some resistance or pushback to changing how we eat. Is it, uh, in your opinion, essential to identify food sensitivities or things that could affect our gut health in terms of starting to heal the body?
0: Absolutely. So there's good things for someone with Hashimoto's to eat and, and maybe even to supplement with definitely the iodine, selenium, zinc. You can get those out of good food and, and, and supplements. The paleo diet's known for being pretty good. The gluten-free diet, of course. And then the worst thing you could do is eat probably gluten if I did nothing else for anyone with Hashimotos I'd get off gluten. there's studies this is not me saying this there's studies been done for many uh for years now on gluten intolerance and its relationship to autoimmune disorders in general. so if you're living with Hashimoto's and you've been treating it and your your symptoms aren't improving try some lifestyles try some real narrow pathway don't eat any wheat or barley or rye and and these kinds of things or anything that has those things in it. And believe it or not, you know, we all love our cruciferous vegetables because they're supposed to be good for us. But if you have thyroiditis, you know, Hashimoto's, you probably should stay away from them. Cauliflower, cabbage, broccoli, I think kale's on that list. Who eats kale anyway? I'm just kidding.
1: (laughs) Kale had had its heyday. Why is it so important especially in terms of thyroid hormone levels, to address the gut?
0: Well, I'll tell you, the, 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 you know this is, I think, little known. But thyroid, as we said, it's made in the thyroid. And that could be getting good signals to make it in the right amounts, or it could be getting poor signals. It's not getting signaled. But pretend, pretend for a minute that it is. And it's making lots of T4. 97% of thyroid gland output is T4. It's not usable. The body can't use it. So it's got to be converted to D3. And that happens in the liver. You need selenium. You need some enzymes that are going to act on the T4. And it basically removes one of the thyroid molecules. And so it then becomes T3. So, or, or tyrosine uh, molecule. So you, you got to remove one of the tyrosine molecules. So how does that happen? Well, it happens in the liver. While the liver is converting T4 to T3, it's making a number of other things out of that T4. The two main ones would, well, the three main ones would be reverse T3, which is just a way of trying not to make too much t3 if you make too much t3 you burn out the receptor sites but it also stashes some of the t3 in the acetic acid form and in the sulfate form which don't get used immediately by the receptor sites so this big stash of t3 acetic acid and t3 sulfate are converted later in the gut by gut bacteria by the friendly flora and believe it or not Emily, that could be up to 25% of your active thyroid hormone. So just by having a poor gut, you could be deficient by at least a quarter of your T3 and suffering from, guess what, the exact same symptoms as low, thy- low thyroid. And, there's, and again, there's nothing wrong with the thyroid. I learned that from a guy named Brian Walsh, really brilliant naturopath from the East Coast, and it's just amazing how all this stuff fits together, isn't it?
1: It really is. If someone wants to get testing done, but it can feel really overwhelming sometimes. Feeling like, okay, I've got to get my organic acid test, my environmental load test, a mycotoxin test. Sometimes it can feel overwhelming, especially from like a financial perspective. What do you suggest in that case? Because I feel like really good practitioners know how to prioritize what to address first.
0: That's a really good question. And I have kind of a different answer because the mistake I see practitioners make is they try to guess at which test to run first. So they're guessing, then testing. And God forbid they find what they were looking for because they think they've nailed it. And thyroid is a perfect example because if you show up with that cluster of symptoms that we mentioned, that it's a, it's called a traditionally reliable cluster of symptoms that points the finger at thyroid. So your clinical diagnosis is thyroid, and then of course you would run a thyroid test, and and then you pat yourself in the back. I found your problem. It's hypothyroidism, and we just showed you eight ways where it's not the thyroids fall, it's not hypothyroidism. So if all you do is give that person some agents to bring the test results into range, in other words, treat the paper, they might feel a little better, some symptoms may abate, but they will either come back, sometimes with a vengeance, or new symptoms appear. So let's say you still have, after your thyroid paper is looking pretty good and you're feeling a little better, You still have low energy, low sex drive, low something else. And then, well, that's a cluster of symptoms that sounds like testosterone. And so it's a guess. And then you test. Oh, yep, pat myself in the back some more. I found another. It's low testosterone. Well, this is just a new cycle of trial and error, in my opinion. So they're guessing based on the symptoms, running a test, and treating what they find on the paper. And, again, some people can feel better but they're not really addressing the entire body and what's really going on upstream. So it's up in those rapids of the stream. you got tributaries, different types of stressors flowing in. It's crashing all around through the whole body, all the different metabolic processes, you know, thousands of them. And then you're ending up with symptoms way downstream. And you're, you're using that to judge and you're not looking very far upstream. You're just looking at the most immediate, you know, uh, obviously thyroid is an endocrine gland. You're looking at the endocrine system. Well, I want to tell you that that system can be dysfunctioning because of things way upstream that seem so totally remote, you wouldn't be able to guess. You wouldn't be able to guess, but guessing is what everyone does. They're predicting what that's, and, and here's what you hear them say. They go, Well, it sounds like thyroid, or it sounds like testosterone, or it sounds like you have a parasite, or it sounds like SIBO to me, and whatever. So you know, this sounds like, and then you're guessing which test to run, and you're getting limited results. Now, if you have amazing results, okay, you got, you did good. But what, if, what about all the people who've been doing that for years? And they're not getting results. Those are the ones we care about. That's who shows up in our backyard and says, I'm sick and tired of all this. What, what are so we don't guess and test. We test. We never guess. We just run four or five labs in every person. And, and I know your question was, what about money? It's not us who needs to get the priorities straight. It's the person. And they need to put their health number one. They need to make their health their number one goal in life because you'll never be happy if you're not healthy. I teach this. I've been teaching it since 2008 on how to be you know, healthy and happy, making others healthy and happy because, again, health is a way of achieving happiness. And so that's all anyone wants is to be happy and you're not going to be if there's something really nagging you about the way you look or feel. So you look or feel crappy. You're not going to be happy. Like no matter how much money you have, no matter how you can hit the lottery, marry the you know, best looking person on the planet, this stuff, you won't be happy. Not really. It's the client that needs to get the priority straight and, and maybe have a house sale and, and save up their money. Sell off a kid, you know, that'll reduce your stress. <laughs>
1: So really think of it as an investment in yourself versus a financial burden.
0: Well, so we test and don't guess. We don't say, well, it sounds like thyroid. We say there's metabolic chaos that's producing this set of symptoms downstream. And we don't know why. But if we look upstream, up in the rapids with our lab testing. If you, if you let me run a hormone immune digestion and detoxification testing, and we'll look a little deeper afterwards, we'll look at energy production and autonomic balance, the nervous system. That's that H-I-D-D-E-N. And again, I, I didn't re- learn that in a weekend seminar or 10 weekend seminars. I learned it in 10 years, running thousands of labs and thousands of people, that when you go to those spaces and look for healing opportunities, and identify them and give the person things that they can do to correct the the damage done or the imbalance and restore resiliency to those areas uh, everyone seems happier. I, I could tell you case after case after case, where just just people just turn it around. you know I, I, hate to, I hesitate to use the word miracles, but to me, when I didn't know what I was doing, it was a miracle) <laughs> But, um now, since I've taught a few thousand people to do this and go do some good in the world with it, and they are and and they're they're just i mean we have a a whole community that just thrives and and again our only our only pursuit is to be healthy and happy, making others healthy and happy,
1: yeah, I know a lot of your protocols are behavior based so they are natural. Do you feel like? So a lot of people talk about how you kind of have to catch thyroid disease early to treat it naturally. And if there's a destruction of the thyroid gland, if it has gone too far, right, there's too much atrophy of the thyroid gland, it's hard to treat it naturally. I was wondering what your thoughts were around that.
0: Well, I agree with it, you know, and we're, we're not a replacement for modern medicine. We're the perfect complement to it. And yes, the sooner you start, the better. Don't wait till you're just sick. I mean, really sick. You got your sicker quicker and you got your sicker longer. And I've had people that came to me with very, very early, early stages of gut dysfunction, like they're five and six years old or nine and 10 years old. And I see it getting worse by the time they're 14 and 15 and they they want to drop out of high school because they look and feel so crappy i've also seen them all the way up to 75 years old where they've had their colons removed sewed up and total removal of parts so i've seen it from every stage emily from again where it starts off at five or six and and when you only treat the symptoms and you just you kind of patchwork you're never really getting to underlying causal factors not close enough I'll also say this, and I used to use this expression, root cause, root cause, root cause. Some root causes are not identifiable. They're just way too well hidden. They're way too far upstream. You know, there's no one test. There's no little thing like on Star Trek, you know, zip it around and, oh, here's your problem. There's there's none of that. And there, you could run 40 tests on a person and still not find the root cause. It's undiscoverable because we don't have the technology yet, you know, and I hope we get pretty close to it pretty soon before I die, I hope. So that doesn't mean, though, this is the most amazing thing. That doesn't mean we can't have an effect upon it. And that's why the natural protocols work so well, because even if we don't know what the root cause is, again, some are this that far removed from where the symptoms are appearing. And so, it. but with the, epigenetic program with the lifestyle program you'll have an effect upon it because you're working on every cell every tissue every organ and every system the entire organism benefits and in, in a and the body knows, it has an innate intelligence that knows what to do with the right food for the right person and and rest and exercise and stress reduction and and supplementation the body knows a lot it, there's an innate intelligence in every cell and it's connected to the ultimate intelligence, you know, the the one that keeps the universe from flying apart. And so, you know, I mean, it's just really remarkable how natural and holistic it is. And we believe in that. And some people don't, like, you can't say what, what I do isn't science-based. It's wholly rooted in anatomy, physiology, and biochemistry. And you could throw in some other big words, too. So it's rooted in that, but it's, it's based in, in behavior and, and not diagnosing specifics, but just having that effect on every cell, tissue, organ, and system.
1: Yeah. You mentioned stress and stress reduction, and I know stress reduction is part of the, the DRESS, the D-R-E-S-S protocol. I'm curious your thoughts on, you know, some people respond to stress and they just totally fall apart. And some people respond to stress and they kind of rise above and they feel like, you know, the word that comes to mind is resilient. And I'm curious just in working with so many people, you know, tens of thousands of people and then training so many health coaches to do the same. Do you notice any sort of consistent theme or through line for the people who feel more resilient? because stress is inevitable, right?
0: Yeah. Well, stress is inevitable, but how you handle it is, you know, where I guess it takes self-awareness. And I would say that would be an important factor and that you're not a victim and that you have, you can leverage some control over some area and then improve on that. So yeah, I've had complete I hope the folks will forgive the expression, you know, kind of a train wreck. You know, lots of them. And these are people who have all different types of stress. You know, they have mental emotional stress. They just can't seem to get their act together. And then they have physical aches and pains. They've been in injuries. They they fell down when they were little or got in a car accident, you know, last year or, or just whatever. And then, of course, they have the chemical, biochemical stressors of being Sometimes obese, you got all the different metabolic syndrome things going on. They got fibromyalgia. They've got they've got everything. You know, sick people get sick. Some sicker, quicker, and they they just seem to get everything. So when it's that complex, some health coaches might want some medical oversight. There probably should be in some cases, but otherwise you can start somewhere. You can start by just getting up in the morning and working on your attitude, working on your point of view. I, I tell people sometimes you have to take a leap of faith until it becomes your faith. And then it becomes just what you know. It's not just what you believe in anymore. It's it's what you actually know about yourself because you start becoming self-aware and you start to know yourself. That's, you know, I think the beginning. So I, I often will start with that type of a conversation and people think it's it's right on, you know, like, yeah, if I'll just get up in the morning and have a moment of <laughs> quiet and that today can be different than yesterday. And I call it the cup is half full until it runneth over. And you, you can get some joy. You know, I said everyone wants health and happiness. Happiness really is is being joyful and sharing that with others.
1: Yeah. 100 percent. I'm curious how you stay on top of the literature, especially as an educator. I feel like it's kind of the one thing I'm always trying to play catch up on is just to be, uh, you know, up to date on the research that's getting put out there, you know, sometimes as markers can change. I'm wondering, you know, especially for you, how, how you stay on top of it?
0: Well, you, you can't. It's kind of accepted that if if. Well, I mean, if you read eight hours a day, all the new scientific literature that comes out on a daily basis, if you started reading today and read it eight hours a day, five days a week for a year, you'd be 50 years behind in your reading. Just from <laughs> what came out the first day you started reading. So you'll, you can't be on top of every single thing. And, you know, that's why what happens in medicine and in, in the health business is people create heuristics, you know, which is just it's something that gives you an angle on it. And so that's what, what I did really. I didn't know it. I didn't define it that way for I wasn't didn't set off to create a heuristic, but we create a way of looking at things. And it just is starts to become a way you look at things. And then then any literature that does come across, you look at relative to that. And then you can go, oh, this is really affects our heuristic. This is a paradigm that we need to shift in ourselves. And so that way, our heuristic continues to grow and expand and mature, you know, so the FDN, the FDN of what I practice called it functional diagnostic nutrition. It's, It's what I called it. That's what we have. But it has definitely matured. We don't use the word adrenal fatigue anymore. Why? Well, because adrenals don't really get tired. They just get busy <laughs> doing other things and not responding the way that we, we want. To. So, and then this idea of pregnenolone steal, I heard a, a prominent doctor the other day talking about, it. well, that can't happen. It's physiological impossible. So you can't stay up on, again, if you read every day for the rest of the year, you'd be 50 years behind in your reading just from what comes out starting today so we have just ended up with a a heuristic that's practical that works that's usable that anyone can use that's you know it's universal it's fully acceptable it's scientifically backed it's repeatable consistent and then any new information that does come along we're aware i mean our, our feelers are always out there and we try to stay up with thought leaders in the field and and research but When you have something, it's called a construct or heuristic, that works. You just uh, uh, let your heuristic mature as that information becomes available.
1: Yeah. Last question, and this is kind of actionable. If you were working with a woman with Hashimoto's and she had kind of maybe just been diagnosed and maybe she just saw an endocrinologist and the recommendation was to go on medication. What would be maybe your top three tips on where to start? Cause I think a lot of women, when they first get a diagnosis feel very overwhelmed. So what would be like top three recommendations on where to start in their healing journey?
0: Kind of assuming that that's their first, you know, they they just now all of a sudden found out they have Hashimoto's, which sounds a, a bit odd to me, but, you know, it seems like an ordinarily aware person, though they had a problem for a long time. So they, they've kind of got them, they've landed here, and now they've got this sort of horrible diagnosis. Well, it could be serious. So I would take my the doctor's <laughs> advice, you know, I would follow along because doctors are there to save lives and make sure this thing doesn't take a downward spiral in a contracted since you know so that's why doctors are good. It's it's one reason. There's many reasons. And so then I would go to someone who would make some different observations. They would maybe run some different tests that look upstream, at least a little bit, you know, and maybe way upstream. And if you can swing it, you know, like let's just look at everything, why don't we? In the H I D D E N areas. Now the observations that, that I make there and what I teach sometimes you know, they're obviously going to take a while to, to work on. You, you know, you, you, you've you lived yourself into this place where you landed. It took you 20 years. I, I told you about a 75-year-old. It took her 75 years before they cut her anus out and sewed it up, you know. So, I mean, there's different stages. The observations that we would make take time to heal. And sometimes if, if the downward spiral, if you've got – Hashimoto's thyroiditis, you may have other downward spirals in other areas of function that are equally or even more contracted. So when the downward spiral is so contracted, you need medical intervention and, and heroic care, attendant care sometimes, surgery even, God forbid. But if you get out of the woods, you know, that's when the ob- observations we make could be capitalized on. So to summarize that, in case I butchered it, you know, when the observations we make can't be capitalized on because there's not enough time, in other words, if you're going to die, well, you need intervention. So the answer to your question is depends on where you're starting. If it's if it, you just got a Hashimoto's thyroid iris diagnosis, you might get a second opinion from a different physician, and you might just do what they say, and that's what I would do, and then I would start looking for other observations like what other tests can I run how, how can I look upstream to see how the hell I got here what about my lifestyle and my environment and my all the things and that's where a good health coach I train one of them you'd be in good shape to then hire that person a friend of mine Tom O'Brien says uh, the doctor if you're going to pull drowning you need a life preserver you know or a ring toss to you or something then you get over to the edge and now what? Well, that's where the doctor says, go do some diet and exercise. We say, yeah, and a lot more than that. We're going to completely create a, a customized epigenetic program that encompasses a lot more than just diet and exercise.
1: Where can people find functional diagnostic nutrition? And where pe- can people find you?
0: Yeah, well, what I would do if I was someone looking for that, write this down, it's fdn.today/. Dr. Kyber, hope I said that right, FDN.today, Dr. Kyber, D-R-K-I-B-E-R-D. So you want to go to FDN.today slash Dr. Kyber, D-R-K-I-B-E-R-D. It's named after you. I know. I- <laughs> and so that way we can see if your listeners have a real interest in what we're uh, looking at today. I've just loved being on your podcast. You ask the best questions, Emily
1: read you're too kind thank you <laughs> it was such a pleasure to have you on hopefully one day we can do this again but in person have like a round two
0: <laughs> yeah okay yeah well yeah there's that thing going around and um yeah. we kind of want to get past it uh, hopefully it's really soon and um, when that
1: thing gets past,
0: yeah meantime lower your risk lower your risk get on a good strong epigenetic program. And you can reduce the risk of any of these weirdo things coming along and kicking your butt.
1: I love it. Thank you, Reed, so much. That's a wrap. I have two truths that I fully believe in. First, to be 1% better every single day. And second, all feedback is good feedback because it helps us grow. Why do I say this? If you're enjoying these conversations and you find this is adding value, send us some love by subscribing to Muscle Medicine Podcast on iTunes. And if you want to share your voice with the world and scream it from the rooftops and tell your friends, or you can just give us a little feedback so we can grow by rating and reviewing Muscle Medicine on iTunes. Thank you guys. So much gratitude. Dr. Emily Kybert here.